The image of a hooded individual illuminated by the glare of a computer screen hacking into a company's network is the classic picture of what a cyber attack looks like. The reality, though, is these attackers are almost never a one-man operation, but rather a sophisticated team armed with the same technology that companies are often deploying against them. But what makes these threats from these attackers so devious is not the technology they use, but rather that they never use the same approach twice. Cyber is big business, and unfortunately it's causing tremendous amount of business disruption. They continue to increase in sophistication. They are new and novel approaches. There's constantly unknown threats and new threat actors. And that's part of the reason it gets very challenging. And in some ways, people love to hear about all these cool techniques they use, but it's the fact that they're constantly evolving and changing the techniques that make it so difficult for security teams and for what I think of as static security tools to stay current against this range of threats. Nicole Egan is the chief AI officer at Darktrace, a leader in autonomous cybersecurity AI. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Nicole dives into why AI is a good tool, but not one powerful enough to prevent today's cyber criminals. Plus, she explains how security systems must constantly be learning, the impact IoT devices have had on security threats, and why algorithms are at war with one another. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today, Nicole Egan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Albert. Now, you are the Chief AI Officer at Darktrace. Tell us, what does Darktrace do and what does that title mean you do? Excellent. Well, it's um, quite interesting. I guess Darktrace is in the space of cybersecurity, but uh, if you think about cyber, it's quite an interesting area in that I think people immediately think about uh, the icon of the hacker in the hoodie, so to speak. And it's so much different from that. It's really evolved into big business today. Uh, and I, I mean that on both sides. I mean that in terms of the side of the attacker and the side of the defender. And so really what Darktrace does is we found that the bad guys were winning far too often. And we wanted to come up with a kind of a way to give the defenders an unfair advantage. And we thought that that way uh, was largely based on using artificial intelligence. So what we do is really we augment human security teams using AI to uh, both find and stop attacks faster. So give us an idea of how Darktrace works, because I checked out the website, I looked at some of the materials, it really does seem quite advanced. And you just kind of mentioned a moment ago that bad guys are winning more often than not when it comes to cyber attacks. And that's why you guys developed your systems. I want you to share a little bit about how and what are the tactics and techniques the bad actors are using and how Darktrace is stopping that. The fact is these are organizations uh, in their own right in terms of they employ people. They have uh, call centers uh, for when they ask for a ransom. They accept Bitcoin, full-fledged operations, but they're often tied to 
organized cybercrime. They're tied in some cases even to nation states. And so cyber is, you know, big business. And unfortunately, it's causing tremendous amount of business disruption for legitimate companies. So in terms of the tactics that they can use, it's across the board. I mean, when we started the company back in 2013, we probably somewhat all remember hearing about the Sony attack. And most recently at the end of 2020, uh, we're coming off of the SolarWinds attack. And the techniques just keep changing. They continue to increase in sophistication. They are new and novel approaches. You know, there's constantly unknown threats and new threat actors. And that's part of the reason it gets very challenging. And in some ways, people love to hear about all these, these cool techniques they use, but it's the fact that they're constantly evolving and changing the techniques that make it so difficult for security teams and for what I think of as static security tools to, to stay current against this, this range of threats. Yeah, because in the old way, the way you're describing of threat detection, threat detection was the impetus and therefore cybersecurity is reactive. You know, you can only stop something that you're already seeing happening and then that will help protect the business. But what you're talking about is developing a way to recognize cyber attacks, new ones, things that have never existed before through your AI. Yeah. I like to call that rear view mirror. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's one of, I think, the fundamental flaws in the approach that the majority of the industry takes is it's very rear view mirror. It's reactive and rear view mirror. And by that, uh, it's exactly what you described. It's this thought that you need to know what the attack looks like to spot it, or you need to second guess what the attacker is going to do and come up with a rule to catch it. And even, and those are what's known broadly as signatures and rules, right? Those are really what those very broadly used techniques are. And even I've seen companies try to use some more AI type techniques, but what they're doing is they're pointing the AI at a training data set of historical attack data. That's just as rear view mirror. It means the attack has already happened for the AI to learn to spot it. And that's, I think, the biggest shift, the paradigm shift that has to happen in security is to move to this, recognize this notion that the threats are constantly changing. They're gonna come from all over the place. They're going to range in sophistication. Uh, it, it almost to a certain degree doesn't matter what the attack vector is. It, it could be a video conferencing camera. It could be you know, um, a sensor. It could be literally a car attaching to Wi-Fi. I mean, it, it can range so greatly. But the thing it, you have to be prepared for is the unknown attack, the novel attack. And that is something that I think has been really hard for the industry as a whole to get its head wrapped around. So there were we've had some previous guests on IT Visionaries that were in the cybercrime space. They had shared insane stories about what these what these tools can do now, um, or the the bad actors, right? Like they talked about dropping in. They said they said like its ability to like replicate across servers, the ability to like siphon off just micro pieces of data that it can go look like a bot. It'll like mirror a bot crawler of maybe Google, so that it'll. It'll treat your system so like, oh, this is just Google crawling my website trying to capture information, but it's not. And we're talking about some of the interesting things like that. You were talking about, I, re I looked at one of your YouTube videos about when you just mentioned the sensors, right? Vegas 
having car sensors, carbon monoxide, that those things could potentially be taken over. And with the proliferation of IoT devices, with the proliferation and reliance on sensors, automation, I mean, all of these things are additional gateways. So who knows what people are going to do for attacks. When it comes to developing an AI-based way, I want to definitely hear from your opinion. How how does an AI begin to learn what attacks look like? Because you hit on a point just a second ago about how if you run, let's say, a machine learning model against historical data, well, the problem is, is you're only going to be able to see the attacks that have already existed. You have no foresight into like what the next attack is going to be. Really not different from if I had a machine learning model that was, you know, I was teaching it how to, you know, spot a dog. And then I showed it a picture of a dinosaur. It's like, what is this? It's like, it wouldn't, it like, I don't know. Right. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. <laughs> exactly. And that, that is kind of the, the flaw in the approach is this idea that you have to see the attack to learn it, to spot it. And to your earlier point, they like to call this the attack surface, right? Everything is digitally connected now. And that has just made the attack surface extremely large. And remember, it's not only uh, sensors and all those IoT devices and traditional technology, but it, it now we've really expanded the attack surface as we have all these people working remotely, working from their home, right? So even further attack surface. So how do you get the AI to spot an attack it's never seen before? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different types of machine learning and AI out there. And one of the things that was very fascinating to me when I first got started, you know, in this area of kind of the intersection of cybersecurity and AI is there were a lot of other AI people. And at that time I was in Silicon Valley and I'd go to all these meetups and everyone was talking about training data sets and everyone was talking about kind of AI mainly for consumer-based applications. And I thought, well, really what this is, this is an enterprise problem. This is much more kind of a, a business problem than a consumer problem. And we need a much more pragmatic approach. And so what we really sought out to develop was to find a way to do this using what's called self-learning. Now, some people referred to it in the AI world as unsupervised machine learning, but really what it is, is it's AI that learns in real time on the job. And it basically is learning how people work, how they connect to systems, um, what websites, you know, it's, it's basically learning what we call a sense of self. So it's this idea that it's going to learn the business and it's going to understand the normal business operations. And it's going to use those normal business operations to then spot something that happens that's unusual. You know, did somebody all of a sudden break into the the company's network? Did they try to escalate privileges? Or was that email that was sent? It looks legitimate, but is there something buried behind the email in the code that actually makes it malicious, right? So it's more so using the self-learning technology to spot the things that humans can't spot. And it needs to do this at what we call machine speed. You talked about all those interesting examples of bots and all these things, right? It's basically the attacks are more and more machine-driven attacks. And we think that's another big trend as we go in the future. These aren't necessarily going to be attacks where you've got human hands on the keyboard. It's going to be machines attacking the companies. And it's going to be able to do it at speed, scale, and sophistication that just simply outstrips human capacity to defend against it. So the only way we're going to be able to do it is to basically have these very, this self-learning kind of 
artificial intelligence that is unique to every business and their infrastructure and learns and changes as their business and as their infrastructure changes and is then able to not only spot, but autonomously respond to these, these malicious attacks. So what do you mean by it's going to, the attack is going to be done by a machine? Cause here I am picturing like robots, you know, sending co- like R2D2 plugging into a network or something like that. <laughs> when you think, when you, when you explain, explain for our audience what the machine attack is going to potentially be, not what it's always going to be, but just potentially like, give us an example. As some examples might be um, in some cases, attackers are using uh, machine learning to actually explore vulnerabilities. So what, software version, you know, is that company running, uh, right? So it, it actually can look across all the companies very quickly and be able to figure out versions of softwares, look for vulnerabilities and be able to do mass targeting. So that's one example. Another example that's a more targeted attack is possibly using machine learning to actually analyze um, how somebody communicates, what language do they use? It could easily look at an email thread between the two of us could understand how we converse with each other, and it can actually insert itself in that email thread um, and pretend that it's me emailing you, but it's not, it's the machine. So there's all different variations of how machines and machine learning can be used. It might be to set up the attack, it might be to scale the attack, it might be to make the attack go faster, or it might simply be a more sophisticated attack. But those are the types of techniques that are starting to be used now. And we think in the future, that's going to be the big wave is this idea of basically machine-based attacks and then using machine learning as the defense. And that's why we like to say it it will fast become a war of algorithms against algorithms. So I don't doubt that at all. Curiously, where does Darktrace start plugging in? Uh, Because we've talked with people in the cybersecurity space that are like, you know, we specifically focus on email in, email out. Uh, Some specifically focus on data being transferred over network. And some are on server-side application utility. Where does Darktrace play? Um, Because of course, if I think of my company information, my data, there's, like you said, there's so many entry points. And then there's so many places where I guess software and monitoring and services can, can sit. Where does Darktrace sit? It's a great question. You know, in addition to the problem we talked about, about rearview mirror, the next problem in the security industry is silos. The way that this industry evolved is there's a lot of point solutions out there. And so to your point, you might talk to one company and they, they say, oh, well, we, we look for the attack in the email and the next one looks at the server and the next one looks at the cloud. Well, the reality is you've got to look at it all. If you're looking at just silos, the attackers, by the way, are expecting that you're only looking at silos. They actually try to get in between the silos, right? Right? Where the, you know, Albert, you probably use a bunch of different things. You're probably an email. You're probably using Zoom. You're probably using other types of, you know, applications and data transfer, right? Yes. Um, you're connecting to multiple clouds. Well, the reality is you have to be able to have the self-learning technology. Look at all of that and be able to protect you against vulnerabilities wherever they might come from. And so that's another big shift that we see is moving away from these niche or siloed approaches and actually be able, and again, it's why AI is important. You need the machine learning um, that just sits there silently in the background to be able to learn self across all those environments in order to keep you safe. I guess what is dark traits or what are you guys focused on monitoring or how do you monitor it all? Because 
let's use that simple example. Mission's a small company. Uh, we don't have that many employees. But to your point, you know, I have, I'm talking to you over Zoom. I'm connected to a Wi-Fi router. Uh, I have a Microsoft Word, which means I'm connected to Azure. I use Google products, which means I'm connected to Google Cloud. I use Salesforce products, so I'm using Salesforce Cloud. You know, like we're using all these different cloud entry points, to your point. Absolutely. So if you were to sit inside of Mission, how do you monitor all that? Yeah, it's it's actually small pieces of software that sit in all those environments, right? So we're basically able to, as you said, most are multi-clouds now. I, I like to call it clients and cloud. There's a lot of people using client-based applications directly connected to clouds, which are all those examples used. And, and not to, um, you know, email is one of them. And it's a, it's a really important one, as we've seen from the attacks that come through, mm-hmm. whether it be supply chain or phishing attacks um, or impersonation attacks. So this software actually just sits and it analyzes all of that data that you and all the other employees in your organization are touching and accessing. And it's learning the normal business operations. And then it's finding out when all of a sudden someone does something really unusual uh, out of the normal pattern, it's going to be able to find that. And most importantly is you don't want to necessarily have to just be the one who detected it. You want it to happen in the background for you. You want it to keep you safe automatically. So what it actually does is it creates what's called an autonomous response. The ability for the machine to not only find it and find it fast, but be able to respond to it in record time. So what it is able to do is it is automatically doing what we call autonomous response. And so this is an area that um, Darktrace was the creator of autonomous response technology. We initially introduced this actually back in 2016, and it is broadly used. We actually have over 4,000 customers that are relying on Darktrace's AI technology to find the threat and to autonomously respond to it in near real time. In fact, somewhere around the world, we're stopping a threat approximately every three seconds. Uh, And that is with the machine actually fighting back, neutralizing that threat. And in most cases, what's really interesting is the end user doesn't even know what happens. And that, I think, is the most fascinating part. So we're able to actually stop it before it even hits your inbox, for example. So that's I mean, that's something I always ask people that are in the cybersecurity world, which is, you know, an attack's happening. Let's say Darktrace stops it and I'm none the wiser. What about when it comes to that? explaining that to your customer, because I feel like this is sometimes kind of like insurance, right? I have insurance, but do I know that I have insurance? Well, I don't know that I have insurance until I get in a car accident because otherwise nothing happens, right? I'm just paying my bills. Do they ever ask you or challenge you or want to see like, how do you explain or how do you demonstrate its success? Absolutely. And I think it's it's so interesting you bring that up because when you do actually autonomously find and, and stop these threats in real time without the user even knowing, um, how do they know it's bringing value? Well, luckily, um, typically we are letting the IT team and the security team know. But in many cases, we're often asked by executives, even boards of directors for information, right? So we actually have the AI also produce the insights, the you know, report for back of, lack of a better term that actually shows, well, actually this month, Darktrace stopped, you know, this many threats, but most importantly, this one threat would have taken out 90% of your point of sale systems, <laughs> right? The week before Christmas, that's the type of, um, you know, investment people are making as they want to be able to see. And especially, as I said, at the executive levels, what the AI is doing, the bra- value it's bringing. And also, 
ideally, you know, what things is it stopping before something really bad happens? So it's, it's usually, you know, we always like to say stopping every breach is almost an unsolvable problem. They may get in, but if you can spot it and have the machine neutralize the threat in split seconds and no data is lost, nothing is stolen, no data is encrypted, right? That's really, I think, ultimately what we'd like to see achieve is you're able to, maybe the bad actor got in, but in split seconds, they're, they're back out again. They're neutral, the threat's been neutralized. So, you know, this is extremely fascinating. In your title, Chief AI Officer, I was kind of hoping you could also kind of share a little bit about your scope of responsibility in regards to developing this AI-based product. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, my background, I, I spent about 30 years in enterprise software, everything from very early stage startups, uh, including Darktrace when I started seven years ago as one of the co-founders, all the way through more mature, big enterprise companies like Oracle. And I think it was really interesting uh, when I did make the transition into the world of AI, it didn't come here maybe in the traditional way. So we do have about 35 uh, PhDs in AI and machine learning, and many of them came from University of Cambridge in the UK, where our development labs are. From my perspective, what I knew is I had a strong background in enterprise software and in, I'd say, pragmatic problem solving. And what I was really interested in is, was there a new novel but pragmatic approach to how AI and autonomous technology could be applied to cyber. And so my role is working hand in hand very closely with our chief technology officer, with our AI labs group, also very importantly with our customers as they roll out this AI technology. In many cases, Darktrace is the first kind of at scale enterprise AI business application that these enterprise have rolled out. And to your point earlier, I mentioned that, you know, to, to keep companies secure in this way, we need to see everything. So that means that we're really plumbed, you know, across all of these systems. And because of the existential threat of cyber, uh, we've been able to partner with our customers to move and do that very quickly. What's also interesting, though, is it means that it might be the first time that security engineer or that IT person is interfacing directly and being augmented by AI. And so we also took, I think, a a great amount of care and understanding what this new kind of hybrid security workforce looks like of combining human security experts and augmenting them with artificial intelligence. So talk a little about what goes into the, you know, I don't know what the best way, the artificial intelligence, the formula that writes this. One of the things I, I remember seeing from someone else that develops AIs, they said like, you know, after a while you input so many variables, but after a while it, it does grow. Like it grows on its own because you're feeding it models. It learns and then it's able to then make judgment calls based upon what it now knows. When you think about that, and that's where everyone gets scared of AI, right? It was like, well, does it ever get smarter than me? Do I ever do it? Does it ever get to the point where I can't control it? Because if I were to ask you, for example, can you please explain to me the variables that go into your artificial intelligence analysis, you'd probably, you'd be able to tell me some, but you couldn't tell me you, or maybe you could tell me all, right? (laughs) Like it's always, it's an ever evolving thing. What goes into, I guess, developing this to make sure that it can, like you suggested, stay in front of all these attackers. So I think one of the areas that's really interesting in AI is the idea that, you know, first of all, this 
way of learning self is fundamentally important. And I'd say out of all the AI applications in the universe, maybe less than 5% even approach trying to use self-learning technology. And, and mainly it's been in academic settings and not really commercialized. So Darktrace is kind of the first on, on that front. The other area that I think is really interesting is sometimes we think of AI outputting to people. And there are certain places where Darktrace does that, where we can have the AI find a threat and then show it on a screen in a 3D visualization. But I think the next evolution of AI that we also um, kind of pioneered is the ability for one AI system, so the AI system that finds the threat, to actually feed that information to the next AI system that actually says, okay, I kind of, I see what you mean about this threat, but I have a few more questions for you. And it feeds it back to the first AI system. And that AI system does a little more analysis and feeds it back. And then the AI says, okay, you've proven it. You've shown me enough. Now I'm going to make a judgment call and I'm going to, I have enough data to make an accurate call to actually take an action. And so this idea that AI systems don't only sit independently, but can learn from each other uh, and actually, in a way, have these you know algorithmic conversations to get a higher sense of context to actually make the right decisions. So um, there, as you said, there's all different interesting ways to be able to um, create and use these algorithms. There's ways to actually share algorithms as well. And even we've created a capability called a model editor. We're even our partners and our customers, if they want, can even add to these AI models. So there is a, it's a really interesting area in terms of AI algorithm development. And we um, actually have a first-rate team of mathematicians sitting side-by-side by cyber threat analysts who are constantly uh, creating and evolving those, those AI algorithms. So it's at a point now probably where, would you say someone inside of Darktrace can explain the variables it's evaluating at all times, or has it gotten to the point where it's like, it's learned so much, no one really knows what, not that no one really knows, (laughs) but like it's learned more than what a single person knows is in it. I guess what's really interesting about it is that, you know, there is always fear. And I think the the fear sometimes is referred to the black box, right? Is AI a black box, right? right? And I think what's been fascinating is the fact that I think of it as the opposite. We're providing our customers with visibility they've never had into parts of these systems. And to be able to see it in this way. And, you know, there's one technology we haven't touched on yet called the AI analyst. And what the AI analyst actually does is it does that visualization. You know, it it shows a human being like, what were all the things going on in the organization at this time? And what was the business context? And why did the AI flag this? And what were the, the different things that all happened where it tied and connected the dots together? And that is so fundamentally important. So that AI analyst capabilities, actually what was interesting about that is we created that by taking AI and having it learn from world-class human threat analysts. And it wasn't about necessarily, again, we don't learn from the historical threats. What it learned instead is how would a human who's at the top of their game be able to investigate and create hypotheses and prove or disprove those hypotheses. And so we were able to take that and encapsulate that and visualize it. And that's the main way that our, our, a lot of our clients interact with our software. So rather than thinking it was a black box, when you start to see the user interfaces and the reports and the insights that Darktrace creates, 
you actually are more enlightened than you ever were before. And I think that's one of the things that's it's made it really successful. No, no, no doubt about it. I was wondering if you could also share some of the stories because, uh, you know, you've, we've seen some videos and we've seen some of the some cool articles that you've been uh, quoted in, you know, share some of these stories if you could, uh, you know, of course you'll have to go ahead and pick the ones hopefully that you can about how, you know, IOT or connected devices or networks were compromised, how it was identified. And then of course, how it was stopped. I would love for our audience to get like a tangible feel for what dark trace is capable of doing. Sure. There was one actual, um, customer, uh, situation that was quite interesting. So it was actually, um, there was, Video conferencing system set up in the the boardroom of a law firm, and this was kind of in the the main meeting room where most of the executives and their their key clients got together. And it happened to be during very sensitive merger and acquisition discussions. And one of the two companies was a public company, and so very sensitive, you know, uh, information that had not you know, transaction hadn't closed yet, hadn't been communicated to the shareholders yet. So lo and behold, what the attacker actually did. Uh, was actually uh, kind of an old school trick. If you you talk to people who love to read spy novels or talk about uh, approaches that people can use, what they did was they just wanted to hear the audio. They didn't need to see the video. They just wanted to hear what was being said in that boardroom. And it was a very targeted attack. We think that they probably had a good likelihood of knowing that there were sensitive discussions and that they were likely to take place in one of those key boardrooms. So what they did was they only turned on the audio feed and not the video feed. Now, what that meant is it wasn't obvious to the people in the room that this was going on. It was someone just happened to, to be kind of listening in to the audio on the video conference during these sensitive M&A discussions. And so what Darktrace was actually able to do is our software automatically, and no one said, hey, check out this video camera. It was just watching everything, including all the IoT devices that were connecting up to that company, to that law firm in this case. And what it was able to do is say, that's unusual. We usually see video conferencing with a camera and an audio feed at the same time. And in this particular case, they're not tapping into the video. It's only listening to the audio feed. So then on top of that, what was unusual was they were keeping that audio feed open 24 by 7. Now, normally, you know, you might have an hour long video conference and then you shut it off. Well, this was being left open endlessly. So those two things were allowed the AI to spot that this was happening and to actually take action on it, both in terms of flagging the law firm, who was able then to shut down the communication and we were also able, from an AI perspective, to be able to actually kick off that um, particular, you know, user agent that was just listening to the audio feed. That's insane because that that is true. That, that you just truly gave it anecdote of like you're only strong as your weakest link, right? No, I'm thinking a lot of people don't think about protecting IoT devices, like oh, because they don't think critical information maybe I don't know flows through it. There was another thing that you said we 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 read about you or did a little homework about you talking about like how. IoT bad actors are infiltrating things like fish tanks to hack networks, like people that have, uh, you know, cloud connected anything, right? Doorbells, fish tanks. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what's, if it's connected to your network, there's a way to insert a script of some sort into your network as well. Yeah. And we've seen it through, we've seen it literally through LED light bulb systems. We've seen it through um, 
sensors. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier the city of Las Vegas. You know, they're one of the the most advanced smart cities in the United States, and they do have sensors for air quality that's on the traffic lights. Uh, they have sensors literally in the garbage cans. They have sensors up and down the the Las Vegas Strip for pedestrian safety. You know, they started with thousands growing to tens of thousands, now growing to hundreds of thousands of these sensors. And they have three or four full-time security staff, you know, at the city of Las Vegas. Um, Darktrace is what's protecting those sensors and what's being able to correlate all this data in real time and look for those unusual, you know, patterns of activity and then um, actually have the sensors be able to to identify uh, out of those hundreds of thousands, which one might be acting up and be able to stop that. You mentioned the fish tank. That one I think is is ever famous in that uh, it was actually a, a thermostat. It was a, a thermostat that was controlled via a Wi-Fi device and it was being you know used as it should probably to monitor the the temperature of the fish tank, right? And uh, and you know a lot of times the attacker doesn't care how they get in. Right. So they'll just scan the network. They'll find something that's unprotected. In that case, you know, the password hadn't been changed and they were able to actually use that device to get onto the network. They were able to then uh, search uh, across the network. And in particular, um, you know, a lot of times we always think, are, are they looking for slot machines at a casino? In this particular case, they were actually looking for a high roller database, which in many cases can actually be the pot of gold inside the casino is that high roller database. And they were able to find a portion of the high roller database. And they actually brought the database. We're trying to move it out of the thermostat into a cloud. Um, so That's yeah, insane. it's, it's insane. <laughs> and it's, um, that is insane. But these are great examples of the unknown threat, right? Where you can't predict who was going to predict that when they installed, you know, that digital thermometer in a fish tank, and it was probably some outside vendor who installed it. Who, who in the security team was supposed to know that was happening and think about, you know, oh, could that access the high roller database, right? I mean, so the, the level of sophistication, level of unknown threats, um, you know, you kind of just have to remember that if it's a sophisticated attacker uh, and if you're the target, they're going to keep working at it until they, they find a way. Uh, and quite frankly, they won't stop at anything. Uh, so it's, um, it's really important to have AI that they can spot these things and stop them in their tracks. Well, I've read about some of these big ransom cases where, let's say, entire municipalities get taken over, and the let's say the bounty is, you know, I'll make up a number, ten million. But the, these bounties are being paid. I've been reading about like these municipalities have no way of stopping the whatever the ransomware. Like it's take completely taken over their system, shut down services. They can't, you know, dispatch ambulance. They can't dispatch trash pickup. Like they can't do anything. And I've been reading about how like these bounties actually get they just they they do get paid, and I couldn't believe it. Well, and I, I know that um, the government will always advise not to pay those ransoms if at all possible, because all that's doing is going back to funding organized cybercrime. And it's, um, it is a problem. And I guess the good news is um, Darktrace does work with, we work with municipalities, we work with cities, we work with state governments, uh, we work with federal governments. And you know, I, I think especially during the pandemic, uh, we've been working closely with healthcare organizations, with hospitals, with diagnostic centers, uh, with vaccine developers. I mean, it's it's all really, really important to protect every industry. You know, and and unfortunately, for better or worse, every organization, every industry can be a target. And even if it's not directly targeted, and as we 
potentially saw with the recent attack with solar winds, mm-hmm. a lot of times, even if it's a nation state, there's collateral damage in nation state attacks where it spills over into the private sector, sometimes unintentionally. Uh, so there's all different situations. Cause I know sometimes I'll, I'll meet with an organization and they'll say, ah, we're not big enough to be a target or why would we be a target? Um, and it's just not true these days, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you know, every organization unfortunately can be a target. That is so true. Everyone, everyone's target. Like they, I mean, with automation involved and like you said, machines handling the attacks, you get, even if you wanted to steal, and I feel like, you know, I feel like a couple of movies that I saw as a kid that I thought, oh, this is never going to happen. It can't be happening, right? Like, uh, you know, office space. Oh, it just shaves $5 or it just rounds off the transactions. Like every transaction, if a transaction be rounded off, you know, you're in an organization, you move money. So everyone's, like you said, everyone is potentially a target. What I wanted to do, Nicole, is I wanted to close out the conversation with the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Nicole, this is where we ask you fast questions so that our audience can get to know you a little bit better outside of the world of dark trace. Are you ready? I guess so. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It says on LinkedIn that you live in Miami. Is that accurate? That is accurate. So I keep reading about Miami being the next or South Florida being the next hot spot for tech. I see people keep talking about on Twitter, what's happening right now in Florida, but it's so attractive for the tech industry to say they want to move there. Yeah, it's so interesting. I actually was just reading an article yesterday on that, that uh, a number of venture capital firms have actually relocated uh, to Florida. Uh, Obviously, there's a quarter between New York and Miami that already exists. And it's a, you know, a great place to live uh, and a great place to work. And I think there's a big push also to change the persona, uh, especially the Miami area. This isn't someplace people come to retire. It's um, someplace now that people are starting companies and starting businesses and in investing in early stage uh, tech companies. If someone comes from out of town and they're moving to Miami for the first time, tell us your perfect Miami day. Oh my gosh. Um, for me, I'd have to say a good part of it has to be on the water. I think one of the things that's absolutely fabulous about Miami is uh, is the water. I'm actually right off of a natural uh, marine park at Key Biscayne, and it's just absolutely spectacular. So for daytime, it has to be that. And of course, Miami's always known for its nightlife. Yeah. When I'm, I've been there, I couldn't have, I was, last time I was in Miami, unfortunately for myself, I couldn't afford going into the really nice places, but I remember seeing people having a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us something that you think um, that is very uniquely Miami that makes it, you know, quintessential Miami. And don't you can't say the water because there's water everywhere. <laughs> I think it has to be just the variety of influence that we have from Latin America. In so many ways, I think Miami feels to me almost like one of the most international cities we have in the U.S. In fact, sometimes you forget you're in the United States. It just has such an eclectic feel, and it's. Initially, it was heavily from Latin and South America, and there's still a strong influence there and the food and the sounds, but also um, seeing an an influx of European culture as well. So I I think that's something that makes it quintessential. One site that I think is fabulous, there's an area, and it's one of those um, up-and-coming areas for the tech scene. It's called Wynwood. And there is an area in Wynwood called Wynwood Walls, and it's where local artists paint these absolutely fantastic and creative uh, pieces of artwork on on the walls of buildings. 
and even on the roofs or of buildings. So people flying over Miami to land via plane can see it from above. So I think that's one of the things I'd say is that artistic vibe uh, that's available in, in Wynwood as part of uh, one of the up and coming tech sectors is really exciting. Well, there you go, everybody. If you need to go visit Miami, Nicole says you got to go check out Wynwood Walls. It's a hot spot up and coming for building companies. If you need protection, cybersecurity protection, give Nicole a call as well. Get Darktrace AI. Nicole, thank you for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.